Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here again, face-to-face, in person, together at last, together forever. Okay, I'm being extreme. Chris Wesley, what's up, man? <laughs> I, I'm doing well. I appreciate the enthusiasm and everything, and actually, I'm enjoying us recording live together. You know, uh, for those of you who are new to the show, usually we uh, record via Zoom um, and, you know, in the post-editing process, right, there's a lot of, uh, well, John doesn't know because I do all the post-editing stuff, so you can blame me, but, uh, you know, there's times where the Wi-Fi goes out or a kid walks into the room or, uh, or yeah, just something happens and that's, that's okay because it's not always smooth. Um, but that's all right. Uh, church ministry is messy, right? And authentic. And it is an authentic, you get the authentic church podcast experience with us. Definitely, definitely. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're today we want to talk about something that I think can drive us a little bit crazy. And, uh, well, there's many things that can drive us crazy. But, you know, when it comes to involving our parishioners and getting people on board beyond staff, right? We, we do that in the way of not just volunteerism, but through committees, right? The most probably standard committee or uh, council that I can think of that comes to mind is the parish council, which for most parishes, even though they don't all function this way, is there to advise and guide and lead the pastor, help the pastor, you know, execute the vision of the church, right? Um, did, I, did I say that pretty accurately? I mean, yeah, that's I, right. It's, it's an advisory function. And, and I know many pastoral council members, and I would add finance council as well as part of this as, as a, another council that we're a part of, that uh, uh, a lot of them say that their meetings, their committee meetings are ineffective. Mm. And it frustrates them. And it frustrates, it frustrates them as volunteers. It frustrates staff as well as we have these ineffective committees. But the reality is we have all sorts of committees. And whether we call them committees or councils or teams, right. you know, every single one of us that are in ministry are leading teams and committees in some way, shape, or form. There's the liturgy commission or the committee, right? And a lot of us have teams uh, of volunteers that help us within the context of liturgy or faith formation or student youth ministry. And, and, and that's what we want to talk about today is, is how do we create collaborative and effective committees and how we do that well so that we minimize, quite honestly, everyone's frustration. Yeah, and before we jump into like how, the how, let, let's talk a little bit about the why or like, yeah, the why, because there might be someone who's listening to this might be an admin or a parish secretary and they might be like, oh, well, I'm just going to skip this episode because I don't have a committee or a team. And the reality is, it doesn't matter what position you have, you need support, you need help, and that usually comes in the form of committees. You know, we're not talking about volunteer development necessarily where um, you're having people expand your capacity in the physical or tan- tangible sense, but more of a group that's going to help you um, execute some of the tasks that you need to do that's going to advise you and guide you and counsel you in that direction. Um, it's not limited to that, but this is something I think everyone who is involved in parish life can uh, use. Yeah, in one of my previous roles, I was a business manager, and even though I wasn't involved in the day-to-day pastoral ministry of the parish, the reality is I had volunteers that helped out with all sorts of things, from from counting the Monday money after Sundays and and inputting data and and into the database. Uh, office managers that I know, they have a team of people that helps deal with the bulletins and put put inserts in the bulletins or get them out. I mean, every single one of us, whether it's a pastoral ministry role or an administrative role. 
we have context and opportunity to work with volunteers and we should quite honestly and i would i would argue that the most of you listening to this have some sort of volunteer committee or team uh that you're working with that are helping you in your ministry regardless of what your role is right so there are definitely a lot of existing committees that i think we could point to or point examples of um let's say you are in the process of inheriting a new committee or building a committee um you know, so this is to people who haven't maybe had an existing committee going on. What are some of the things that they should look for in regards to building a um, collaborative and effective committee? Well, I think the, the first thing you have to think about is, is your own disposition. So let's kind of reflect internally first. Um, we all know, we've talked about it many times before, we, I'm not going to rehash it, but we all know that the reality is if we're going to do our work well, we do need to empower our volunteers and, uh, and our team to help us do some of those things. I think we all kind of understand that. Maybe we'll jump into that a little bit. But I want to reflect on ourselves first, because I think one of the biggest things that hinders effective and collaborative committees and even staff, to be quite honest, is is the pride is the ego gets in the way. What do I mean by that? It's it's this idea that it's all about us, that we're quote unquote in charge. And, and Chris, you and I, uh, we did a little hiking yesterday and, and we were talking about how pride, power and ego are the things that will be the downfall of our church. And we were talking about all sorts of examples that we're not going to talk about now, but but you and I have experienced that individually. So us as leaders, if we don't have a spiritual disposition to understand that this is not about me, mm-hmm. that what we're doing is not about John Ronaldo, it's not about Chris Wesley, it's not about you as a listener, but ultimately it's about the mission of Jesus Christ here on earth through the Catholic Church. We need to continually remind ourselves of that. Look, I've been in full-time ministry for almost 20 years now, and I still, I still have to pray regularly, God, let this be about you and not about me, right? Mm-hmm. Send your spirit upon me so that the focus is you, Lord. I have to constantly do that, and that's part of my, 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 my need, quite honestly, my spiritual need. I think that's a great place for all of us to start with is that, uh, you know, that the idea of having a team and creating an effective and a collaborative team really needs to be about that this is about God's work. Right, right. It, it, it's about God's work. I mean, even Jesus himself, who is perfect, needed a team or chose to have a team, you know, and, and, and wanted to have a team because he, you know, God knew, right, that ministry is it's not just about one person. The church is not just one person. The church is in a body made up of many parts, right? And so we need to be able to, um, you know, again, expand our capacity, challenge our mindset and combat those those things that you just mentioned, pride and ego and, and power. And so that we can uh, build a, a healthy church. Yeah. And I think the second part of this is then let's start taking a look at um, you know, the size. I want to talk a little bit about size, Chris, yeah, because okay. size of the committee makes a huge difference. Now, there are some of us that have committees that have 20 people on them. Right. There are ways that you can be effective with 20 people. Right. Is it harder? Yes, I do believe. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that have committees of, of five or 10. Like, what's the ideal size? It's hard to say, depending on your ministry. Yeah. But, but I would say, you know, more than 10, you start to make it difficult in terms of your ability to kind of get stuff done. Because the reality is, the more opinions you have in something that you want to work on and fix, 
uh, the harder it is to process through that opinions and make a decision and move forward. And, and you and I have actually experienced that right. recently in different ways uh, in our ministry. What, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And as you were talking, the one example that comes to mind is I'm chair of a board um, for a prison ministry, Uncuffed. And, you know, one of the things for a long time, uh, because we were a new ministry, uh, this was outside the church, but because we were a new organization, our board was really small. It was four people and our executive director. And our executive uh, director and I, you know, we talked about it. And as much stuff as we, as much as we could get done in those meetings, we knew that our our board had to expand. But when, as the board was expanding from, you know, four people to six to eight and, you know, now 10, we also knew that there was an opportunity for an executive committee which is uh, the chair of the board, uh, the secretary, and the vice, you know, vice chair. And, uh, and, and basically the purpose of that group was to be more intensive. And then when you go to the greater committee, like you're, while you're capturing ideas, there have been some like bigger cerebral issues already addressed. And so I've seen this in parish councils. Like I know at my parish, our parish council has an executive committee. Um, I've seen this, uh, this has happened in the volunteer teams that I've built, where you have two or three people who are part of your strategic leadership team, who are part of that executive committee. Um, and then the committee after that, I, like maybe your, your next group, um, I, I would recommend, you know, no more than 10, really. I mean, eight to 10. It, it also depends your capacity as a leader. Um, and I know we'll talk about meetings in a second, but like when you're leading those meetings, who's leading those meetings and, and what the agenda is. Um, but I, I really think you need to have at least an executive committee of three um, uh, and or, or even four. But as that grows beyond that, then uh, you get to like about eight or ten. Yeah. And that's that's the norm. Uh, that's the norm for board of directors for for profit and nonprofit mm-hmm. organizations. And I think as church we can really embrace that right. as well as an important piece of what we should be doing. So I really like that. Now, uh, the reality is, though, that even 10 people, that there's only so much so decision-making that can happen with 10 people. And so one of the things when, when we're running meetings and having conversations about meeting with these committees is, is realizing and understanding where you want the conversation to go with a large group and at what point do you either go back to the strategic team or the executive committee, whatever you want to call it, or have a subcommittee that form that takes a look at flushing out the idea in more detail. Because again, even 10 can be unwielding when you are starting to look at some of the heavy detail about any sort of ministry project or budget or whatever else that you're doing. Sometimes you just need a smaller team to hash it out first, but with the idea that then that, that smaller team will present a draft or a final draft to larger larger group for for approval type of thing. So again, this is all systematic structural types of things in terms of how we work with people. You got an executive committee, you've got eight to ten people on your team or your committee, but then also taking advantage of subgroups or subcommittees that are going to help you do the nitty gritty work that you just can't do with ten people or certainly can't do with twenty people because right. it's just too many. Yeah, yeah, and and that also comes back to um, your level of leadership style, and 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 also what the intentionality in that meeting is, right? So, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about what the committee does when when they're together, right? Um, I I think, uh, you know, with going beyond the executive committee, um, uh, the advantage of having a committee or a team around you is to uh, expand. 
your perspective to look at new ideas. So say you want to um, just brainstorm, right? I think one of the best things that you can do is have someone else lead that conversation. So not you, the leader, because when you, the leader speak, whether you feel this or not, you have authority and it can shut people down or um, it can uh, limit the expand, uh, 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 the limit, the uh, uh, just the just the full scope of what the conversation can be. So have someone else lead that conversation allow everyone to speak before you speak be the last person to speak because then what you do is you communicate that you've listened to all their thoughts and their opinions and uh and the facilitator whoever that is they need to be someone who's skilled who can you know uh make sure that not one person's dominating that other people are contributing and, and sharing but then you as the leader have the final say and not so much the final decision but are able to sum up what you've heard um what you think about that and maybe some of the things that you'd like to do. And I think, again, that goes back to pride and ego and, and, and putting that aside because you and I, as leaders in the church, have a vision of what could be and what we want to do. But your opinion, my opinion, is not the end-all be-all, right? And so having open dialogue and speaking last, which I know a lot of people who, who assign, you know, do that, that that's right. what they do, just so they, they don't influence it, is that then you may have a vision of what could be, but it's now influenced by what other people have said. Uh, and you can summarize it, and even your idea will change. And, and, and it should, quite honestly, because you have these people around you, you have this committee to help inform you and give you different perspective in the first place. You don't want a committee of folks who are just going to rubber stamp whatever you say, because then why do you need a committee in the first place? Right. You don't need it at all. So that, that's one purpose. Brainstorming is only one purpose of the committee. Another uh, purpose of the committee is to help you evaluate the overarching um, program, ministry, or, or parish that you're part of, right? And I think we've um, we've talked about like Pat, Patrick Lencioni's approach, which is the red, yellow, um, green stoplight approach where you look at your defining objectives and your overall objectives, like you know tithing, attendance, um, a number of volunteers, like the different parts of your organization, and you evaluate those things. Um, but there's other things, SWOT analysis to looking at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's maybe uh, coming back and, and looking at a specific program. But you know, another function of the committee is not only to help you brainstorm, but also to help you evaluate um, you know the programs and the health of what you're doing as a ministry. Yeah, the, that's something that we don't do enough, Chris. I mean, you know, and I don't do it. I mean, again, because I'm a doer, it's like great check that off the list. I finished that project or that event or whatever. Let's move on to the next one. And, right. and you're right. We don't evaluate. And and every single one of our committees, our teams, our councils, whatever you call them, need to spend time evaluating and take a look at what just happened. How, how, how was the, the Easter vigil, right? Or how was the triduum, right? From a liturgy perspective. Let's evaluate and learn from that perspective before before we start planning the next thing that's coming up, right. right? You know, and again, take that finance council, pastoral council, youth ministry team. It's all the same thing. You just had a you had a great retreat. Evaluate it before you move on to the next thing. But and maybe we should have said this before. Evaluate. Make sure you're evaluating the goals that you set because. You know, we could sit down and say, "Hey, what did you think about the Easter vigil? What did you think about the parish picnic?" And people will say it was great or it was horrible or I didn't like the food. Like, is that what your goals were? You know, what were your goals going into that program or that project or that event? So, you know, if you haven't done that, but you're going to evaluate something before you start evaluating it, saying, you know, let's look at, you know, this is what success 
is or was. Let's sit down and evaluate and look at, um, let's look at, did we do what we're trying to achieve? Because then what that does is that cuts down on unnecessary banter, that cuts down on um, people sharing a thought or an idea that might not be helpful. Um, because you as a leader, right, the reason you want to evaluate is you want to know whether or not this program or this ministry or this part of what you do um, is, is valuable. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I, I just wrote down a note, you know, Chris, that we haven't really talked about goal setting no. uh, and setting priorities. And your comment is assuming that we have set goals. And, right. and so uh, this is this is how we work, podcast listeners. Is, is sometimes we say something and it strikes an idea. And so I write it on our little Google Doc and say, oh, there's an episode for the future. So when we talk about goal setting sometime in the future, you know, uh, but you're right. What You don't just want open feedback. But the other thing I would point people back to is, again, not only your goals and priorities, but again, what the church is calling us to. And we've done episodes on that, what the wisdom of the documents are telling us that we should be doing and, and it should be this it, it should be not about what John Ronaldo wants and likes right but it should be what is the church telling us we should be doing in all of its wisdom through its documents and whatnot and that that is again going back to ego and pride it's putting that aside it's not about what you want Chris not about what you like but what is serving our community best and those that that we're we're trying to bring to Christ and and that's the lens of evaluation that needs to happen so that brings up a great point um, and a question I think we should all look at is your committee uh, is your team representing the the community uh, in which you serve you know and so it's gonna look different in, in uh, uh, depending on, on what that committee is, but like your parish council, right? Does your parish council, um, and, and even your staff, you know, but parish council, do they represent everyone in your community that your church is trying to reach, right? Um, you know, for, if you're in, in charge of, you know, youth ministry, for example, um, it, does your committee represent, is it just a bunch of volunteers who are high capacity or does it represent parents? Does it represent teens? Does it represent, you know, um, you know, people in your community, like principals, teachers, coaches that you should, you, you should be partnering with, like who are a part of these committees, I think is essential and important because if we have, um, all like-minded people, like people who think like Chris Wesley or people that think like John Ronaldo, we might think it's awesome, but we're really going to be narrow focused on who we're trying to reach. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. Not everybody thinks like I do because this would be a terrible, terrible world. It, it would be. I would enjoy that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you for the affirmation. No, no problem. No problem. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, again, John Ronaldo needs people who are unlike John Ronaldo. <laughs> That's right. That's this right. This would be a mess. That's uh, right. No. But in all seriousness, yeah. So, all right, John. That brings up the question, how do I find people who are not like me? <laughs> well, uh, not like yeah, Chris West. No. I, I, I know that's where your mind is going. <laughs> I'm stuck with you, Chris. That's the problem. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, again, it, it, we time and time again, we come back to this in the podcast, is, is the intentional relationship building. Are you out there again to know the community, regardless of what your role? Are you business manager, office, office manager, pastor, youth minister, faith formation director, right? 
are you going outside of your circle, your bubble, the normal people that you interact with and get to know your community, right? For those of you who are in parishes that are, are culturally diverse, we know what often happens is that you have the Anglo community over here and the Latino community over there and then you know, never will the two mix. Well, if, if you're a Latino leader, well then you as a leader in the church, whether you're staff or volunteer, need to be making strides to connect with the quote-unquote other in your parish community and vice versa. And so that 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 goes back to just your intentionality. How are you connecting with people? And, and I always go back to Mass. Mass is the best time to do that, you know. And are you present during the weekend experience? Are you present at, ma- at all the Masses? Not just the Mass that you go to, but are you making a priority to go to many Masses? Maybe you can't do that every week, but at least once a month, if not more often, so that people know you and you're getting to know the feel of your parish. I think that's, I go back to that time and time again. I know, Chris, we've talked about that before, but we just need to name that again. No, and I think even, you know, not beyond diversity um, of cultures, but, you know, we, we you know, every church uh, that has uh, a, a priest or a pastor, you know, is, is run by a man. So, like, how many women are involved in yeah. that? Also, and this is something that's come up big in, in our church, is how do we involve younger people and not just young adults, but teenagers, right? Um, and I know that there's a little bit of concern, um, you know, when you think about involving teens, you know, how, uh, like, will they be able to participate and engage, at least look at it as an educational um, opportunity. But I, I think the bottom line of that is don't be afraid to allow your committees to challenge you and challenge the way that you lead. If there's a little bit of discomfort that um, exists in that, that's actually good because that's gonna that's gonna help you grow as a leader by having a committee that that does challenge. Now that doesn't mean having people who are challenging, you know, um, you don't want dysfunctional members of the committee there, uh, but you want people who are gonna help you grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that's really essential. Let me jump to some other pieces that's a little bit more detail oriented, but it's really about your organizational abilities in terms of running committees. And I'm not going to rehash all of this because we've talked a little bit about it before, but I encourage you to go back to uh, episode 10, which was way long ago. But we did a podcast on episode 10 called Leading Meetings Well. Uh, and we talked a little bit about some of this. I'm not going to rehash this, but but the importance of agenda, I think, is key. And, and having an agenda in advance um, for your committee, for your team meeting, uh, so that people can process. Again, we all process differently at different uh, rates and lengths of time. And some of us won't even look at the agenda. We'll have plenty to say at the meeting. And then there are some that need to 24 to 48 hours to think about what it is that it's going to be so that they can prepare because they're that detail-oriented. And good, we want that, right? And so, But we need to have an agenda in advance. Uh, so that we know what we're going to accomplish. So if we're together for 90 minutes or 60 minutes or or two hours, that that we know what our goal is for that meeting. There is nothing worse, Chris, of going to a meeting that has no agenda or no clear objective. Tell me that's not the worst thing ever. Or pretty darn close, other than like death by shark or something. You know, (laughs) well, it's funny. Like that is pretty awful. But I think what's even worse is or maybe it's just equal is when you have people who are a part of a team that ignore the agenda and like just take over that meeting and you're just like, Oh, and you can't control it. And it's, it's hard. And, 
and that kind of comes back. I know we were talking about who are the right people on your team, but like how most people who are probably listening to this, and maybe this is a large assumption, already have committees. And maybe one of the reasons they don't invest in their committee or like their committee is because there are people on that who they, they talk all the time. It's all about them. They, um, you know, uh, they shoot down other people's ideas. So as leaders, what are we supposed to do with them? Like, do we call the mafia to take them out back and, you know, take care of them? Or, you know, that like, would be very you know, Catholic thing to do. Would wouldn't it? Catholic, yeah. that's, why, that's why that's the only thing I could think of, you know, um, plus the fact that we're in Vegas as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, about, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we're yeah, in yeah, Vegas. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Well, I mean, I think I think it's a couple things. The reason you have the agenda uh, and we talked about this on episode 10, but you also have a time limit. Mm-hmm. on the agenda right so right. item a on your agenda is going to take 15 minutes and and you as a facilitator try to stick through that because you you've got your goals that, that we need to accomplish as part of the meeting so we only have 15 minutes to talk about you can give or take a little bit you know along the way but part of that is being strong Here, here's the biggest issue that i know i have and i know i'm not alone as a minister in this is i'm a people pleaser mm-hmm. uh and and i am reluctant to engage in conflict there are some of us listening to this, myself included, that find interrupting or cu- cutting somebody off because we have to move on to something else as conflict. Now, it may be varying degrees of conflict, but my point is basically saying we often, many of us can be hesitant to do that because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to engage in conflict. We want to make sure, especially it's our volunteer, we don't want to make sure that they're heard. So I don't want to cut them off to assume uh, so, so that they don't think that they're being heard. But the reality is we also have to uh, stay focused on what our goals and objectives are. And sometimes that means we've got to, we've got to move on or yeah. we got to allow. And that takes, that takes strong leadership. And that's what we're talking about. This entire podcast, you know, all, all 89 episodes that we've done this far is really about helping us as leaders be better at being leaders in the church. And this is one aspect of it. Yeah, you really, like, that... That, that, that's true like we have to be a little bit more thick skin um, or if we as the leader don't want to we need to have the facilitator that can and that's why I, I mean I, I, I don't know about you John I personally think if I'm uh, the leader that I shouldn't lead the meeting just because um, you know I'll, I'll be so focused on so many other aspects that I'm going to not really concentrate on other people so um, for my uh, youth ministry strategic team, um, I've, and I've mentioned her probably a dozen times, we should probably have her on the show, Joanne, and she uh, leads those meetings for me. She leads the agenda, and, um, and therefore, like, I'm able to sit back and listen. You know, I, uh, I remember when I was at Nativity, uh, you know, in our strategic leadership teams, uh, someone, uh, a guy, Brian Crook, um, who was a part of that strategic leadership team, he led the discussion even though Father White, you know, would chime in and share his his position. And so that's what we need in these committees are people who are strong, who are willing to interrupt, who are willing to keep to the agenda, although also be flexible with the agenda. If something good, you don't want to handicap, you know, and shortchange a conversation, but like someone who knows how to conduct the flow of a meeting so that Everyone gets to participate. Everyone gets to chime in. Everyone gets to uh, be a part of that. So I would say, as you're building your committee, that's probably 
one of the number one people you should be looking for. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, I'm going to repeat it one more time. Go back to episode 10, Leading Meetings Well. Uh, the, you know, And rehash it. We go into much more detail about the idea of, of an agenda facilitator, uh, taking minutes, uh, the parking lot, You know, the idea of taking new ideas that weren't on the agenda, putting the parking lot so we don't lose it. We go into detail on that particular episode, so I encourage you to take a look at that. Um, and I think one more thing that I want to mention as part of this is is realizing that we as ministry leaders, we keep coming back to this, that because we do this, many of us professionally, this is what we do, this is our vocation, this is our job, that we have a vision of what we want to accomplish and what we want to do. And so part of our role is to share that vision, but the other part of that role is to allow that vision to be shaped by those that we surround ourselves with. So that your idea is not the end all be all idea, but it is impacted, again going back, impacted by what other people are saying who have been part of the parish community for a while as well. And in some cases, maybe longer than you as the leader in the church. And I think there's value in that. So yes, you have a vision, own that vision, but allow the vision of what you want to do to be shaped by those that you surround yourself with. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Really good stuff, really good stuff. Um, yeah, when, when uh, it comes to committees too, um, uh, John, is there a uh, set schedule on how often you should meet? Uh, no, I mean, I think it really depends on your your purpose, what your committee is and what your purpose is. Uh, I mean, I like pastoral council, finance councils, like, you know, monthly is, is, is kind of the norm for that. But if you're doing a lot of heavy pastoral ministry, I mean, you may require some more regular meetings than that. Maybe you've got a committee that's just a bunch of brainstorm visionary people. Like, we're just going to brainstorm and take a look at the big picture of what we do. And maybe you meet once a year or twice a year. Uh, I would say that there's no rule of thumb, Chris. I, I think it really depends on what you, the objective of your committee, your team is, and what you guys are trying to accomplish. And sometimes you may be part of a thing that you meet monthly, but maybe something comes up like, hey, we need to meet every, every two weeks for at least the time being, uh, and then we'll go back to the monthly schedule because we have something, we have a big capital campaign right, coming right. Or, or whatever it may be. So I, I don't want to put any rules on that because I think it really does differ. Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, I think for standing committees like a parish council, you need to have something that is consistent, and whether it's monthly or biweekly, uh, I think it goes back to what you're saying, knowing the rhythm and the pattern of that. Um, I, I think what's also in, important, though, is uh, figuring out other ways to communicate in between those meetings, right? So, um, you know, are you using, like, Google Docs and, and a Google Drive to sh- that the committee can share ideas with in between or... You know, some people I know use Slack, um, which is a social media tool um, or a group chatting tool, um, you know, are using Basecamp or Dropbox or, you know, one of these online cloud systems where people can share ideas, revisit documents, revisit meeting agendas. Um, I think that's also an important thing to establish with that committee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So ongoing communication is a real essential piece. So don't drop, uh, don't drop out, you know, the entire month between meetings and never have any communication between that. I think it's important. And and quite honestly, uh, you've said it before, Chris, communication is a, is a huge issue in our parishes. And and the reality is we don't do enough. And when we don't communicate well, that's when people start making up their own stuff, you know, which oftentimes is not, truthful right and that's where rumors and gossip and all sorts of things come up and this is where i think we need to be real intentional about communication and and here's the thing about communication is the reality is that 
by the time you are totally sick and tired of, of saying the same thing over and over and over and over again is when they're finally at least getting it and recognizing it for the first time. Right. So I think there's a need to repeat yourself because it does. I'm sure there's some scientific research you, to say how many times people need to hear something before it sinks in. I think it actually goes beyond that. Not until you get sick, but they get sick of it, right? <laughs> because um, in Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, I love this example Doug Fields gives where he has this funnel concept and everything. And he talked about so much that one day he walked into a meeting and everyone was making fun of him. They had funnel hats, they had funnel diagrams, and they had a whole funnel party for him. And at first he took offense, but he was like, ah, oh, wait, they finally understand. They finally get that. And so, you know, with our committees, you cannot repeat the vision too much. Yeah. You cannot repeat the objective too much. You cannot repeat, you know, uh, your goals too much because you want them knowing them as well as you do. And, and that's really going to help you with building uh, healthy and, um, you know, creative and uh, effective committees. I think it's a good sign that when uh, people are making fun of it, that it's finally stuck. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So great conversations here. And <clears throat> again, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, something to continue to work on. Uh, uh, definitely go back to episode 10, uh, leading meeting meetings well uh you know it's it's a great place to start with how to conduct those meetings correctly but uh, bottom line don't be afraid to surround yourself with men and women um who are going to help you uh grow as a leader and tackle the objectives and the goals that god has uh, put into your life uh so john any final thoughts this episode concludes our church podcast summit. <laughs> That's true. It does. It does. Uh, next time we'll be uh, miles apart, you know, again, until uh, the church podcast summit 2020, I guess, uh, you know, which we'll have to figure out the logistics on that. But anyway um you know and, and in fact you know that's one of the things that john and i are doing while we're spending time here in vegas is we're we're going to talk about the bigger picture this is our committee it's a two-person committee but like maybe we can invite your your son xavier into it yeah, absolutely right? of course yeah. my two-year-old would yeah, be yeah. thrilled yeah, to be part yeah, of this yeah. and uh but you know we we want to learn and grow um and we want to learn and grow we want your feedback as well and so uh some of the ways that you can give that to us is through the churchpodcast.org that's our website where you can find episode 10 as well as uh, other past episodes. You can go to iTunes and subscribe. Please subscribe and, and leave us a review. Um, you know, we definitely would appreciate a five-star review, but we want an authentic one. We want to know how we're doing, giving comments. That helps us get the word out there. Also, feel free to share this with men and women. Maybe if you have a committee, uh, have them listen to this podcast before you actually start your agenda and talk about some of the things that you need to work on. We want this to be an available and accessible tool to you and your team. If you want to reach out to us individually, uh, you can definitely reach me. Um, uh, Instagram is uh, one of the best places at Marathon Youth Ministry or go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com. That's a place to reach me. John, where can people reach you? At John Ronaldo at, on Twitter is my favorite place to be, but also Facebook and, of course, LinkedIn. Professionally, if you want to connect professionally, LinkedIn, please do. I'd love to connect with you there as well. And, of course, you'll find out everything about me and the ministry that I'm a part of at ParishSuccessGroup.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, let me close us out in prayer and uh, conclude this the Church Podcast Summit 2019. In Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the men and women in our churches, in our parishes, in our community, Lord, who um, want to serve you, uh, want to serve you uh, 
by helping us uh, leaders in the church, Lord, uh, men and women who have ideas that you have blessed them with, with passion that you have uh, inspired in their hearts, Lord. And, and I pray that uh, we can um, humble ourselves, that we can remove the pride and the ego that sometimes holds us back from truly growing and surround ourselves with these committees, with these teams, uh, Lord, that can enable us to fulfill the call that you've placed on our lives. God, thank you so much for uh, introducing us to amazing people, for loving us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.